This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Welcome to Plated Earth, where we share at least a fraction of the crazy, wonderful, and insightful stories of produce. I'm your host, JJ. Plated Earth is also the official podcast of the Specialty Produce app. Please show your support for us and Specialty Produce by downloading the app and exploring one of the globe's most comprehensive fresh food databases. Now grab a snack and get ready for Food Fables, where we share original short fiction stories about produce and its connection to people, culture, and more. Thanksgiving week at the original farmer's market in Los Angeles was always a constant buzz. Locals shopping for their upcoming feasts and vacationers sampling the holiday specials at the food stalls. Fake snow topped the umbrellas at the community tables, where centerpiece cornucopias overflowed with mini pumpkins, winter squash, pine cones, red, yellow, and green foliage, and dried cranberry sprigs. The smell of Dimitri's freshly baked cranberry tarts and pumpkin and bourbon pecan pies drifted through the market, whispering sweet temptation to the market-goers and luring them over to the pie shop. Dimitri always asked each patron about their favorite side dish for the holiday. He was fascinated to hear how traditions as widespread as a Thanksgiving feast, connecting people across the nation, also have elements that are so personal, connecting people across the dining room table. He could almost taste the flavors as the market-goers described them. Roasted kabocha squash with creme fraiche pomegranate pear and pistachio salad, slow-cooked Brussels sprouts with balsamic and pine nuts, sweet potato and caramelized onion mac and cheese, rosemary maple cornbread, sautéed green beans with mushrooms, garlic, and bacon, apple pie salsa with cinnamon sugar chips, goat cheese mashed potatoes, butternut squash and cider soup, sweet potatoes with thyme and blue cheese. And what is your favorite side dish, young man? Dimitri asked a young boy who was helping his father pick out their holiday pie. French fries! The father grinned, sighed a light laugh, and rolled his eyes. Of course, he said. Dimitri smiled. Did you know that many historians don't believe French fries are French at all? Dimitri began as he packed up their pumpkin pie. Indeed, many claim that fries were invented in Belgium in the late 1600s. Belgian villagers would go fishing and slice their catch of the day really thin fry it, and eat it as a snack. But in winter, the rivers would freeze, making it impossible to fish. And so, as an alternative, the villagers turned to tubers, slicing and frying them in the same way they did their fish. Then, during World War I, American soldiers came upon the fried delicacy, immediately falling in love with it, Dimitri said with a wink. And because the dominant language of southern Belgium is French, the Americans dubbed their new favorite snack as French fries. Dimitri gathered a few small tarts and slices of pie on a tray, which he carried to the community table, followed by the young boy, his father, and a slowly growing crowd of market-goers, hungry for Dimitri's stories and pies. Dimitri continued, Still, there are some historians who claim that French fries are indeed French, first sold by street vendors in Paris in the 1780s. And the first fries to be introduced to America were arguably French, so to speak. Founding father and third president of the U.S., Thomas Jefferson, is attributed with introducing the French fry to America, and he first encountered them himself while serving as American minister to France from 1784 to 1789. 
Dimitri hailed one of the food stall cooks who was passing by on his way back to his station and whispered something in his ear. The cook patted Dimitri on the back with a wink and walked away. Dimitri turned back to the crowd, looking at the little boy. You know what I love about french fries? The little boy shook his head. They have their unique place on the plate in many different corners of the world. In Belgium, fries are often served with cooked mussels or with a fried egg on top. In England, fish and chips is a favorite pairing. In the Middle East, french fries find their place in pita bread alongside other fillings. In Canada, poutine is a famous dish consisting of french fries and cheese curds topped with rich, savory brown gravy. And of course, here in America, we are often asked, would you like fries with that? when ordering burgers and sandwiches. The cook who Dimitri had summoned before returned with a tray of French fries, scallop cheesy potatoes, potato salad, mashed potatoes with gravy, and roasted red potatoes with rosemary and olive oil, which he placed in the center of the table. The little boy's eyes lit up as if he had just seen a pot of gold. Plates and serving spoons were passed around, like the market's very own unique, personal, untraditional Thanksgiving feast of favorite potato side dishes. Potatoes are my favorite side dish for this holiday, Dimitri spoke as he filled a small plate for himself. They are one of the world's most versatile and prominent food crops, resilient, widespread, antique. They're cultivated everywhere and can grow in polarized conditions, from deserts near the Peruvian coast to the high altitudes of the Andean mountains, even all the way up to the moon. Little jaws dropped around the table as the kids leaned in, still clenching their french fries but frozen mid-bite. The moon, the little boy repeated. Dimitri winked. Yes, indeed, a well-traveled crop through time and space. But how did such a gift of nature come to be? Well, I have heard a tale from Bolivia. Dimitri paused, taking a few more bites of his varied potato dishes. Then, as usual, with a wipe of his napkin across his lips, like a curtain unveiling the opening act, Dimitri began his story. Dimitri spoke. A long, long time ago, there lived a peaceful people, the Sapayas. They had everything they needed from Mother Earth to survive and flourish, and they lived in harmony with neighboring countries, making war and violence nothing more than a distant memory, a legend of human nature. But then, one day, their small, perfect world was shaken to its core by the unexpected eruption of a volcano. Their neighbors to the north, a people known as the Karis, were forced to flee from the devastation the volcano had caused in their country. The Karis soon came upon the rich land of the Sapayas, coveting the natural beauty and bountifulness of their quinoa crop. And so, the spell of harmony for the Sapayas was broken. The Karis forcefully invaded, and the defenseless Sapayas were immediately reduced to slavery and poverty, as the Karis took control of the quinoa fields. In time, almost all of the Sapayas accepted their fate, working tirelessly and thanklessly for the Karis masters. All but one young man. His name was Choke, the last descendant from the Sapayas leaders, and he refused to give up the legacy of his people and give in to the oppressive power of the Karis. Choke suffered punishments for his resistance, and yet he continued to hold strong, praying for help and justice from the father of the gods, Pachamuk. Pachamuk was impressed by Choke's bravery and faith, And so he appeared before Choke with a gift, seeds from an unknown plant. Plant the seeds, Pachamuk said, but eat only its roots. Never touch the sprouts, the flowers, or the leaves, as they are poisonous. Do this, and the plant will flourish, 
as will your people once again. Thank you, thank you, Choke cried out, clasping the seeds in his palms and falling to his knees, only to look up and find that Pachamuk disappeared to the heavens. The Sapayas did as they were told, sowing the new seeds in secret, replacing the traditional cultures of quinoa in a certain spot in the field. A few months passed, and the seeds started to spring into beautiful plants with purple flowers, and it wasn't long before the Karis discovered the new plantation. They confiscated the plants, the green leaves and stems, eating everything the plants produced, except for the roots. The Sapayas combed over the remainders left on the field, discovering the wonderful tubers hidden underground that were missed by the Karis. This new food gave them energy, strength, and hope to fight back against the Karis and reclaim their home. Meanwhile, as the Sapayas grew stronger, the Karis, who had consumed the plant's poisonous leaves, suddenly fell sick or died. It was all a trick to fool the oppressors, as Pachamuk knew they would covet the plants as they did the Sapayas' land. And so the Sapayas organized their rebellion, defeating the Karis and kicking them out of the country once and for all. The new plant was considered a divine gift and was called Papa, a.k.a. Potato. Choke was elected as the Sapayas' new chief, and he rebuilt their happy, harmonious society, continuing to cultivate potatoes with respect as a sacred gift and precious hidden treasure of the earth. The End Well, folks, that concludes this week's episode. Be sure to follow at Specially Produce App on Instagram for some amazing produce photos. And while you're on there, give us a follow at Plated Earth. Tune in next time for the latest food buzz. And remember, cauliflower is nothing but a cabbage with a college education. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>